That last song, I'll build my life upon a firm foundation. When we talk about stewardship, we actually are talking about steps of faith. Stewardship requires faith, that we trust that God does own it all, that we trust that when we step out in faith, God's going to bless. I want to go to our scripture memory verse of the month, which is Isaiah 26.3, and let's read this together. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Isaiah 26.3, God keeps in perfect peace. The world is crazy. We have events going on around the world that are completely and utterly crazy. The things going on in Ukraine rock our foundation, if our foundation is anything other than God. We place our foundation in God, because God is the one who drives everything else. Two weeks ago, we talked about God as being the owner-operator, and that makes us his managers. Last week, we talked about God as the king, and that makes us his diplomats. This week, we're going to introduce God as the ruler, and we are his citizens. So we'll get there. One of the things Emily and I like to do is we like to go hiking. And we enjoy long, long hikes, usually in the summer, so it's hot. A couple of years ago, we were out on a camping trip, and we decided we were going to go for a hike. And so we piled into the truck with the dog, with our bags, and we headed out to the trailhead. And we were excited to go on this hike. It was beautiful scenery. It was out in Shadron. It was a really hot day. And we thought, this is going to be a wonderful hike. So we got to the trailhead. We didn't really talk much about our plans. We were just talking about this hike we were about to go on. And I grabbed my backpack. I threw some water in my backpack. Emily grabbed her bag and grabbed the dog. And we started out on the trail. It was a good 100 degrees. Sun was blistering down. And uh, about an hour into the hike, Emily said, can we take a water break? I said, oh, sure, let's take a water break. So we sat down, I grabbed my bag, I pulled out my water, took a drink, and Emily goes, can I have some of that? And I thought, that's an odd request. Okay, gave her some water. And we get a little bit further, and Emily goes, can we have another water break? I said, sure. And uh, I took out my water. Now, you know, we're down to like a third of it. I drank it all, and she said, can I have some? And I said, why don't you have some of your water to lighten your bag? And she said, that wasn't the plan. You were going to catch all the water, and I was going to take the dog. I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> we messed this one up pretty bad. We're, we're like an hour and a half into this hike. We've got a long ways to go back. How much water do we actually have? Well, I brought enough water for me and a little bit extra. We're going to have to start being conservative on our water. Have you ever taken a bad decision and made it worse? I looked out and I thought, I see the hill where my truck is parked. The trail really wound around. I bet you I could cut a solid mile and a half off of this if I just walked straight back to the truck instead of taking the trail. Emily said, you think so? I said, yeah. She said, okay, let's do it. When we got into brush about this high <laughs> and rocks about this steep, Emily said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> 
we left the trail, and the result was bad. Had we just hiked back, we would have been fine. It would have been tight on water, but we would have been fine. But instead, we chose to leave the trail. I've been thinking a lot about what is it about God giving us rules. And what I want you to see today in Malachi 3 is that God gives us rules to follow, not because if we break the rules, we're no longer citizens. God gives us rules to follow to keep us on the trail because he knows better. He knows what is over that next bluff, and it's not pretty. He set up the trail for a reason. Let's turn in our Bibles to Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to see a lot of rules here, but that's okay. Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 12. I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The book of Malachi is the last book before we get to the Gospels. Malachi wrote to a group of Israelites who had returned from being captive. After the Babylonians came in and conquered the land, they took everybody out. And then a group of them, in about 536 or so BC, was allowed to return to the land. They rebuilt the temple. And a little bit later, Malachi writes, Xerxes was king of the Assyrian Empire, and he was levying heavy taxes. The people complained, God, why, why are we having to go through this? Why is it not blessing all over the place? Why do we not have all of the blessings promised to us? And God responds through Malachi, and essentially what God says is, because you're not on the trail. You're not following the rules. I've laid out how you are to live, and you're not doing it. Malachi asks a bunch of really good questions. And the things he addresses are false teaching, unfaithfulness to others, unfaithfulness to one's spouse, idolatry, and even toleration of exploitation of those who are not well off. That all happens up to chapter 3. And then in chapter 3, starting in verse 6, Malachi addresses another significant issue that the people of Israel were experiencing. They were failing to tithe. That was one of the rules God had set up. You need to give 
10% to me. The people were failing. And that's where we're picking up here, is the people's failure to tithe. So what we're going to see is we're going to see that God calls for obedience because we need to be obedient because God is the ruler. And ultimately, that means we should step out in faith. So I want to point out to you the first principle that comes out of this passage. Look closely at verses 6 through 7. Malachi begins with a quote from God. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Remember, chapters 1, 2, and the first part of 3 were about the sins that the people were committing, the rules they were breaking. And God says, I don't change. You haven't been destroyed. Citizenship citizenship comes with rules. But it's impossible to lose. When we submit ourselves to God as the ruler, there are rules that we should follow. But breaking those rules does not result in loss of citizenship. It results in going off the trail. Maybe your wife being upset with you for taking her off the trail. But you don't lose your citizenship. Citizenship comes with rules, but it is impossible to lose. What I see, especially in verse 7, is that God patiently waits for us to obey him. God is patiently waiting for us to be obedient. If you think through the history of Israel, since Malachi is the last book, it was the last book written, he was the last prophet, until 400 years later, John the Baptist came on the scene. Israel's history is filled with examples where Israel breaks the rules. Even as Moses was on Mount Sinai in Exodus 32, and God was giving the law to Moses, Israel was down at the base of the mountain doing what? Breaking the law that was being given. We're the same. We tend to break the rules. And we go off the trail, and God says, I'm here on the trail, I'm waiting. When you get back on the trail, it's going to get better. Citizenship comes with rules, but it's impossible to lose. When we have accepted Jesus as our Savior, we become citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But there are still things that God expects us to do. So, what should we do as an action step? Our action step is to ask God to search your heart. And I want to explain to you why this is the action step here. You can ask God to search your heart because when God identifies areas where you need to grow, you're not going to lose your citizenship. This is really, really important to recognize. The reason we can ask God to identify areas in our life that we need to grow is because we don't risk anything. When God points that out, there's no risk. The only thing that can happen is we can get better. We can grow. So our first call to action is ask God to search your heart. In Psalm 139, David talks about how God knows him. And David concludes with, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
see if there be any wicked way in me. That's their first step. But there's more. Look at verses 8 to 10 back in Malachi. So back in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, we see another principle. Citizenship warrants obedience. So the first principle, remember, was that there are rules. The second is that we should obey those rules. Growing up, I had a good relationship with my parents, and even when I graduated high school and I lived with my parents for a year before uh, moving out while I was in college, I had a good relationship. But there were certain rules that I obeyed. For example, I needed to let my mom know if I was going to be home for dinner so that she'd know how much to cook. It was a reasonable rule. I tried to obey it. Second rule was I had to be home by midnight. Didn't matter if it was a weekend. That was a rule that they had. It was their house, their rules. Citizenship demands obedience. So look at what God says here in verses 8 and then in 10a. God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. One of the rules that God had for his people was the tithe. Tithe literally means one-tenth. It is the the word that we would actually translate as one-tenth. The tithe was one-tenth of everything that they brought in. They had to give to the Levites as the priests to use for the country. It was very, very much equivalent of a tax in many ways. It was just expected. It wasn't optional. It wasn't when you feel like it. It was take a tenth and give it. It's the expectation. In addition to the tithe, there was the offering. The word for offering means to lift something up. It was the idea of this is beyond what is just expected. This is giving more than what you're expected, more than what you're required to do. You're offering it up to God. God says in verses 8 and 10 through Malachi, you're robbing me because you are not giving me the full tithe you're not giving me first. They may have been shorting God. Oh, I'm going to give 9%. Or I'm going to give my percentage after I, you know, whatever I've got left over. I'll spend all of my money, and then I've got $10 left in my wallet. I'll give a dollar. Whatever the case was, the people were robbing God, is what he's accusing them of, because they were not giving their tithes and offerings. I want you to note that the tithe actually and offering required faith on behalf of the people. We live in a country where we have excess. Right? If if you don't finish your meal, you might throw a little bit of it in the trash. You might. Because you probably aren't going to need that tonight or tomorrow. That wasn't necessarily the world that they lived in. It actually would take a fair amount of faith to say, you know what? I'm going to give 10% before I use any of it. I'm going to trust that God will supply for me to live on the 90% remaining. The offering thing went above and beyond that. It showed God love. It said, I love you, God, so much 
that I'm going to make sacrifice for you and give above and beyond what I'm required to do. I want you to look in verse 9, and I want you to recognize that in the case of Israel, failure to follow God's rules going off the trail resulted in consequence. Failure to tithe resulted in consequences for the people. Verse 9 says, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. So what's the action step? What do we need to do? We need to, first of all, determine to tithe. That was the expectation. We'll talk a little bit about whether this applies to the church in just a little bit. But my action is determine to tithe. Choose to offer. Because the tithe was the expectation. So we determined to obey in the tithe. We choose to go above and beyond in the offering. Determine to tithe. Choose to offer. The third point I have for you is an actual call to action that the prophet Malachi gives to the people. Malachi gives a call to action in verses 10 through 12, and that call is to step out in faith. Let's read uh, verses 10 through 12. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields. In your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Malachi calls for the people to step out in faith. Step out in faith. He highlights that he is the ruler. He is God Almighty. Our NIV says Almighty. Different versions may translate that slightly differently. It really is God of the heavenly hosts, if we were to do a literal translation. He is the God who is not just God of this earth, not just God of this universe, but God of everything, of heavenly hosts. If he wants to open the floodgates of test me in this, I want to be careful here. This is not an open invitation to just go around testing God. That would be a specific point of time. He says, tests me in this. In other words, this is an invitation to test God. But God might be calling you to say, I'm going to give and I'm going to watch you bless. God might call you to that. God calls Israel to that. He says, just go ahead and give it all and see what happens. See what I can do. It's not often that the ruler of the entire universe says, you want to see my power? He did to Israel here. He did. He said, test me in this. God is ruler. He invited Israel to test him. Okay, at this point, you might be asking a very, very good question in your mind. You might be saying, that's the Old Testament, that's Israel. We're in the New Testament, and we're the church. Good question. Does this apply to us today? Is this relevant to the church? 
I want to take you in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16. Because I want to suggest an argument that I'd like you to see what you think. 1 Corinthians 16, let's look at verses 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, writes, Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. All right. I want you to notice a few things in this passage. First of all, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he decides to mention the other churches in Galatia, right? So this is not just a message that only applies to the church of Corinth. This is something that applied to the churches, plural. Second point I want you to notice. Paul says to do this task, which we'll talk about, regularly. This isn't just a one-time thing and you're done. This is something that's supposed to be done regularly. And it's on the first day of every week. What day would that be? Sunday, when the people are gathered to worship. Okay, so that's important. He calls for each individual to set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, in proportion to your income. Okay? I get to put on my, my mathematician hat for just a moment. Proportion means percent. Okay? You can, you can show that. Proportion is the same as percent. So what we have here is we have a command to all the churches to regularly set aside a percentage of their income. Does this sound at all familiar? Malachi, yeah, this is a command to tithe. The only thing that we don't have here, the only thing we're missing is the number of that percent. Okay? The only thing we're missing is the number in this percentage. So you might ask, okay, what percent should I give? I'm going to give you a recommendation. Long before, in fact, 400 years or more, before Moses went up to Mount Sinai and learned the number 10th, Abraham went to Melchizedek, the priest of Salem, after a conquest, and he gave 10%. So it seems there's a biblical principle here that we set aside regularly 10% for God. And that's not an offering, that's an expectation. 2 Corinthians 9.6 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I have an action step for you to take here. And this is a step that only you can take. Will you evaluate your own finances and tithing? Will you ask the hard questions of yourself? Am I giving 10%? Or am I holding back? God promised Israel 
if you will give, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you. I cannot promise you that today. That was a promise for a specific people at a specific time in a specific way. But I can give you 2 Corinthians 9, 6 that says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I don't know how God will bless when you tithe, but God blesses. And if we sow generously, we will reap generously. I know a lot of people, some of them tithe, some of them don't. I have never met somebody who's tithing regularly that says they wish as they weren't. I've met plenty of people who don't tithe and tell me they can't afford it. I can't guarantee you anything, but I do find that interesting. In 2 Samuel 24, 24, it's one of my favorite verses. David says, far be it from me to make a sacrifice to God with that which costs me nothing. My challenge to you, this is a hard sermon. Will you tithe? Will you offer? Go beyond the tithe and contribute to God. He does own it all. Our duty as citizens is to pay to God. But will you go above and beyond and even offer to God to make sacrifice to God with that which costs you as a declaration of your love to God? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are the ruler and that you've set up a path for us to take. That in your wisdom, you know which way we should go and which way we shouldn't. And there are so many times in my life, and I'm sure in the life of others, where I look across the way and I think, surely there's a faster way to get there than taking this trail. But you set it up, and you're God. Finances are a hard thing, but you've set up for us to tithe. You've set up for us to offer. I pray that we would be a church that honors you through our tithes and our offerings. I pray that you'd work in our hearts to give honest evaluation, to call you to search our hearts and know them. Try me and see if there's any wicked way in me that I might better serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.